I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show. Welcome back to the show, Chris Long. Chris, how are you? I'm good, brother. How are y'all? Doing good, man. And Pooh flew back from Denver just for you today. Yes, sir. This is coming on, hopped a flight, came on back. Nah, I'm just kidding. But Pooh, how was Denver, man? How did you, you had not been out there before, had you? No, I've been out there a few times. Um, oh, it was okay. it was it was all love, man. I got to uh, I went to the Wizards Nuggets game. It was terrible to start. The Wizards were down thirty plus. Uh, mm. They made a game of it in the fourth quarter. I saw the Joker get ejected. Um, uh, I was sitting right behind the Wizards bench, actually. Like it's the players, then it's a row of coaches and team personnel, and then it was me. Um, yeah, okay. So I was involved, uh, making noise, seeing two fans get ejected beside me. Uh, it was, it was, it was a good night. I'm we surprised. Lo- uh, I'm surprised Jokic brothers weren't sitting near you. That would have been the front row seat. I want to see. Like they probably put those guys right behind the opposing bench, so nobody gets any ideas. Man, I wish they were. It would. It would have been. It would have been fun for me. Um, mm-hmm. But they probably was down on the other side uh, if they were there. <laughs> but now, it, it was- Pooh, I know when you travel, you hit up the food scene. How was the foodie scene in Denver? Whack. Um, They got got all them trees out there uh, and all the eddies and the food scenes no good. That's funny, dude. I didn't get to to experience it. Like, this was the problem, which I didn't know. Denver basically shuts down at, like, 9 p.m. Early. Way too early. So... Yeah, the game was over at like 9.30. <laughs> I come out from the arena. You know, you I catch the little train back to the Union Station downtown. I'm like, ooh, yeah, I'm going to get some food. It's going to be on. Nothing to be had. I, I had to go back to my hotel. I had I was staying at the Westin, basically on the airport. So I caught the train all the way back to the Westin. And I basically had to Uber eat Wendy's. Ooh. Oh. Ooh, that's rough. It was Wendy's, Taco Bell, or McDonald's, or 7-Eleven. I Uber. I had to Uber Eats Wendy's, man. Yeah. Bro, I do. I Grubhub Burger King the other day by choice. So, um, <laughs> how much does a Whopper cost when you end up Grubhubbing it? It's like an expensive Whopper, isn't it? Uh, well, it was, but I was watching football. It was on a Sunday. And uh, when I'm in front of those games, I can't miss anything. So I was like, you know what? I really I'm in the mood for some chicken fries and some, you know, like a Whopper. But you're right about Denver. Denver's the coolest city ever. But um, things are closed too early. Like too if early. I had to move up and move, like going to witness protection, I'd take my family to Denver. But you got a very good point, Pooh. Yeah. You, you got to have a fridge stock full of food after 9 p.m. in Denver. And Those people do, I'm pretty sure, there. Both of y'all got something else in common, Pooh. Uh, you called this one early. The defensive coordinator for Notre Dame gets the bump. Mm-hmm. And uh the offensive coordinator from Clemson, right? Is the new is the new coach there, Virginia. Yeah, Pooh, you were on that one early. Did they you had to do it? Yeah, you they had to do move? it. Yeah. yeah, they had they had to do it. Um the players under Brian Kelly had you know, turned the culture around from who, uh, Charlie Weiss. That was who was the last coach, I believe. And it, it, it's a totally different Notre Dame. They finally, not all the way caught up, but caught up to a lot of, you know, the big time schools and they're able to compete, you know, until they get into the playoff and then they get decimated. But the culture 
they had to have that continuity because if you bring in somebody who wasn't there to witness that culture. So if you go outside of anybody that was on that coaching staff or who coached with Brian Kelly prior, you're going to have something totally different. You know, they're going to bring in something that them players is going to be foreign to them players. So, and then you bought in, you, you got Marcus Freeman to come to Notre Dame as opposed to going to LSU last year. And you bought him in with the promise that, hey, you here a couple years, you're going to be a head coach at somebody's big-time program. That's what we do at Notre Dame. And he came in and took over the recruiting, something that Brian Kelly did but didn't really – he don't really like doing. Marcus Freeman took to it like a fish to water. So they had to do it. They had to. It it, it wasn't – it's unlike Notre Dame. to. They really don't like hiring first-time head coaches, but they had to do it here. He checks all the boxes. They had to do it. And you Goodbye. saw that exception in, in the weight room, man. That that said everything you need to know. That like everything. Guy, whether he can whether he can be administratively successful, because there's a whole side to that, and it's a crapshoot no matter who you hire, young or experienced. Um, like he has the buy-in of those players, man, and so does the OC. Um, like they just seem like I, I, I joked this about this on my pod that Brian Kelly managed to do the unthinkable. He made Notre Dame likable by leaving. Yeah. right and uh i I just couldn't help but like you want to run through a wall for a guy like marcus freeman without even knowing him so and the same thing with the the kind of younger staff that they've that they've assembled there and that was the benefit i think for marcus freeman is almost all of the guys all of the coaches stayed yeah they wanted to stay yeah and so when you have a tommy reese young guy who want to stay you have the um the ballast, the uh, the guy who manages the weight program, he wanted to stay. That was my strength coach in college, dude. Really, really. Hey, bro. Hey, I saw him on the field uh, before the Notre Dame Virginia game, and I hadn't seen him in over a decade. He's one of the most impactful people I've ever had in my football career. Like, he's a weapon for them. You know how like strength coach is strength coach is very important position in college. Like those players interface with those coaches more than even their position coaches. Like you get tighter with that person and there's nobody that's more of an outlier than Matt Bayless. That guy is a legend. I've never been so strong in my life. Like, And, and, they, and they said that was a key commitment, if you will, yeah, for him yeah. to stay. And, and I seen it, like, obviously I, I don't go there, but uh young kid, Braden Lindsay, um, family friend, me and his father are good friends. I know what he looked like when he first got to Notre Dame. Right. And I know what he looks like now. <laughs> it's a tremendous yeah. year one. I saw it year one. Yeah. Tremendous okay. difference. Tremendous. A well, Saban, Saban and Kirby have always said the same thing, right? I mean, that strength and conditioning guy is one of the keys to the program because he sees the players every day and all of them, right? First to start the day, you know, a lot of times, like the most important step you take in a day is the first step. And a lot of times it goes through the uh, weight room and, um, you know, motivationally and a lot of things that fall between the cracks. Like if you have a good strength coach, that person can be almost like a, like a, a high school, like a hall monitor too, like or not a hall monitor, but, you know, guidance counselor, like, you know, like you, you can go in that, that strength coach's office and let some steam off and kind of, a lot of things that you might not want to talk to your coaches about, that person can help you if you have a really good relationship with a really good one. Uh, and Matt Bayless is an amazing one. Yeah, you saw Dion uh, got the number two, number one commit 
to uh, come to Jacksonville State today, flip from That's FSU, right. and That's then true. and then FSU uh, immediately gives the head coach there a uh, one one year extension. Oh. Really? <laughs> yeah, because as you can imagine, the bird app blew up with talks of Dion to FSU with his you know commits, mm-hmm. and not only that, but the the commit Hunter I saw, and this is the crazy thing, Chris. I'm curious your opinion on this. Dude just got a million and a half from Barstool for the NIL deal because Barstool's got a deal with Dion. Yeah. And so it's really, it's odd how this NIL is going to change. I don't think we've even come close to seeing what it ends up looking like. It's the Wild West, man. Like, like I, I support it because I, anything in the direction of players being compensated for, you know, the hard work they're putting in, like we allege that America's all about, uh then it's a good thing i like but it's going to be wildly unregulated which means that players can be taken advantage of sometimes i think that also like sometimes players might not know their worth i think sometimes players uh might screw up their brand but it's not a big deal because they've got money in their pocket i mean i'd be much happier um seeing a player fail but have money in his pocket if you know what i mean like uh that insurance piece of i'm going to go to school and I can make 25, 50, 75,000, 100,000. We don't know how it's going to affect the good schools and the bad schools. We don't know how that's going to affect, like, if Dion's a coach and he's been associated with Barstool and, like, funneling players through that kind of I, – I just think it's a it's – a, I've always said this. Just because we don't know what it's going to look like doesn't mean we shouldn't do the right thing. And I think they're doing the right thing. Um, and experience is the best teacher, like even organizationally and on an NCAA level, like we'll see how this goes after a few years, but man, that would have been good to have, uh, you know, 50 K in my pocket in in college, that would have been nice, but, uh, will, will it be up to the programs to keep financial advisors around? I mean, is that something that's currently happening? Have you heard? I mean, I know you're, I haven't heard about that. And honestly, like, I, I think it, it wouldn't be the worst thing, you yeah. know, like to have somebody on staff, if you're truly invested in your players, um, a lot of the complaints that people disingenuously make who just don't want to see people, 18 year old kids richer than them, like they'll say things like, well, they're just going to piss it away. It's, you know, it's, they don't know how to spend it or invest it. It's doing them a disservice, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Giving somebody money is giving, doing them a disservice. You just say that because you don't want them to have money. Um, but if you're invested in those kids, I think that's a great point, Doug. Like there should be people, there should almost be like a, you know, a, a position that should be filled on almost every college campus. So like, let's help these guys. And maybe there is, has been a movement in certain right. programs where somebody who's like a football operations guy, or maybe there's another like life skills coordinator has started to funnel into that, but they should offer these kids financial services. I think, I think the NIL the reason why coaches were so opposed to it or schools for that matter is because it's the wild west for sure, but it kind of levels the playing field to a degree. Yep. Cause, cause now instead of, you know, money under the table, all you got to do is go talk to your people and set up some good NIL deals for these kids. And mm-hmm. whoever comes with the biggest NIL deal is probably going to get the kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it has to be figured out. You know, this is going into year two of this thing, so it has to be figured out. But I, this was like schools, big big time schools' worst nightmare was having NIL deals because now it doesn't matter as you just seen your Florida State to Jackson State. Like, who cares? Like, I'm I'm about to get this million 
you know, get this money in my pocket. I'm I'm still going to play for, you know, a Hall of Fame player uh, yep. who who played my position. <laughs> was one of the best at my position. Well, it keeps kids in college longer, do you think? Maybe. Yeah, because some kids are sitting there being like, hey, my gr- grade came back. I'm a third rounder. I'm a junior. Do I skate right now? Because there's, you know, like if I don't have an upside here my senior year, say there's a coaching change like just happened in Charlottesville or say like maybe I don't think I can get much better. Um, or I just had my best statistical year and I'm only a third round grade. Like at that point, you can start to say, well, at least I have a little insurance if I stay in somebody, you know, car dealership pays me, you right. know, um, a little nest egg there. For an 18. That's what it is, not right? Not just the big million dollar ones. It's like, you know, homeboy's car lot and the and the burger shack down the street can. That's more what it, I think mostly for most schools, what it looks like is. Right. You know, and and the nice thing is, you know, they said nobody was going to make any money, like, or that only the top level player is going to make some money. That has not turned out to be true. Um, that is a lie. And so, like all these like false, like these disingenuous. I'm so concerned. This is why it's not going to work. Like all these disingenuous reasons have kind of been knocked down. The only thing somebody could say is it is absolutely the wild west. And the transfer portal, I think, actually it makes things even crazier right now <laughs> yeah so but you know what it's it's a business i saw gene chizik's tweet earlier which was just a pile of burning trash Frost was all mad about that one i mean that that was just such a dog shit tweet because not only is it dumb but it also just shows you what a poor decision make you are to hit send and not keep that take to yourself like what did he like say that, i missed it he said, I want to pull it up and read it exactly for you. But basically that, the you know, the, um, hold on, let me pull it up here. Cause you, I got to read it to you in all its grandeur. Yeah. I, um, I got stuck on Doug Gottlieb's uh, shithead tweet. So oh, well, I don't even interact. Sometimes. <laughs> every, every scholarship offensive lineman at UT will get 50 K uh, a year with new NIL deal, not to mention the 200 K in uh, education. Americans struggle finding $500,000 job. Or fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, they definitely struggled with five hundred thousand dollars job. Fifty thousand dollars jobs to feed their children. Next, it's a hundred thousand dollar player with no end in sight. Flawed system. Most money wins. Words of Chisholm with a hashtag at the end, which I know, like you're just drunk on yourself. Um, so, like, here's the problem. Number one, you don't give a shit about Americans that are 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 struggling to make fifty thousand dollars a year. So no, let's not bring them into it because you don't give a shit, coach. And then number two, um, you're making like six, seven million dollars, uh, and you were making a boatload of money at Iowa State to win like three games in a year. Um, like you've made money off the backs of people like Cam Newton. So what? Like, wh- why are you immune to the criticism? Because it seems to me like all the guys that are doing the work are earning. Or you're complaining about them earning fifty k. And you're earning eight, ten million dollars. It's just the easiest argument to knock down. And I couldn't believe that he actually not only tweeted this but hashtagged himself. It's still up. Like he it's hasn't delivered. He's not, dude. I don't think this guy. I just don't think yeah. some people are very. They don't. They don't I don't know what. I don't know what he. Dabo was out doing the same thing too, right? I mean, it's just. So, I mean, this, it's so unaware. This is what Dabo does. <laughs> the, the the smallest amount of self awareness allows you to be a multimillionaire. And complain about anybody else that 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 helps you win ball games, getting paid. It's I don't know. 
it's silly. We we're we're about to see what Dabo really made of this season because he he lost both his coordinators. <laughs> he lost Tony Elliott to Virginia. So I, I like Tony. I, I I got a chance to hear him talk in person the other day at his press conference and saw him kind of, you know, um lay out his vision as much as he could a couple of days in. I really think he's gonna command a room well. Again, like coaching, X and O's, like it's a crap shoot no matter who, but I'm excited. Like not only the fact that we have a guy who's recruited in the ACC but has seen what he's seen, but also he's a dude that can relate to players, man. Like, you know, he's younger. Um, he looks like a lot of the players that he's recruiting. Like that's a, you know, the last staff, you know, was from out West. Um, it, it just wasn't a geographical fit. Uh, this is going to be a big, like, uh, I think it's going to help us in recruiting to have a guy that, that says, I've coached Trevor Lawrence. I've coached Deshaun Watson. Dabo, who we just talked about, was my mentor. We can say a lot of things about Dabo, and I could too, and I have. But the one thing they've done there is figured out how to win. And so, like, a guy like that um, that can walk into kids' living room and I think hearing him talk the other day can command a room, he's going to be good for us, man. Chris, let me – can you talk about the recruiting challenges at Virginia? Because I don't think a lot of people understand the academic rigors of going to Virginia. Like I know, cause I'm from Virginia. So I know yeah. a lot of kids yeah. that went there, but I just think people don't understand. Like it's not in no disrespect to these schools, but it's not like Alabama or LSU yeah. or whatever. Like you, the academic rigors are, the standards are high. It's not, it's not even like tech. And I like, I don't, I don't hate tech. Like I hate tech, but I, you know, I certainly respect what they built there. And you know, like, I know that it's a good school. I have friends that went to school there. It's a good engineering school and all that. But, you know, they can get guys in. You know, they can get guys in from wherever with whatever GPA. Um, I don't want to speak out of turn. I know it's not whatever GPA, um, but a hit dog will holler. So if you're a tech fan and you're you're hearing this and you're getting pissed off, like, hey, come on now. So I, Virginia has just a higher standard. Like, they really do, and they stick to that thing. And as annoying as it can be, Sometimes as a football fan to know you can't get all the kids in all the time. Um, they do take pride in that. And uh, the school is serious about it. Jim Ryan's serious about it. You know, Carla Williams is serious about it. But I do want to I do want to shout Carla Williams out, who who's doing a great job, I think, um, as an AD. She came from Georgia. And she's trying to get people around here to see, you know, what big-time football is really all about. And we can have that and still have our standards. So – you got your work cut out for you if you're an administrator of Virginia and you work on football because of some of the things that you pointed out, Pooh. But, like, I think Carla's doing a really nice job, and I got hope. If they can get back to recruiting Virginia, I mean, there's enough talent in state to propel a, a program like that. No question about it. And I think some of the time we try to think around that problem. Um, I, I think um, I think sometimes you got to meet it head on. You know, like, hey, we want to – we want to beat tech at what they do. You know, I think sometimes that's the best way to go about it because you're going to have to see them every year. Uh, and, and thinking around it hasn't worked, you know, you, right. you got to attack the state and you get, you got to go recruit guys that, um, you know, create those pipelines that like, rather than saying, well, it's annoying that tech kind of has a stronghold on it. Let's go look over here, look over here. Like, no, you got to go through tech. Who did y'all, did I see that y'all took a loan out to make the last album? What a turn, Doug. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we uh, 
you know, we, we didn't talk about it a lot, obviously, but uh, I just I saw I didn't even hear I didn't even listen to uh, Russ's conversation on the Breakfast Club yet. Right. I just saw the tweet. And, you know, I know a lot of people give Russ shit for whatever, you know, various reasons or whatever. But I was like, yeah, that's actually, you know, another way. And, and this this is the thing about it. Like we took out a loan. Yes, we, we took out a loan to answer your question. But the thing about it, which I was trying to explain yesterday was there's no one way to go about this thing, right? You can take out a loan if you have that ability. You can sell NFTs if you have that ability. You can it, it's it's so many different things you can do. And I think people when they see someone like Russ who's had success, he's been on the major, you know, he talk about making 100k a month or whatever he makes and they say, "Oh yeah, that's fine. It worked for you. You probably got, you know, you're you're this big guy, you know, that make all this money." But when I let people know, like, yes, little brother did the same thing, you know, going on three years ago, it was like, what? That really happened? It was like, yeah, it was for us. It worked for us because we already had gigs lined up where we knew money was coming in. Yeah. That money just was coming in after we needed the money to make the album. So it was easier for us to go get the loan for how much we knew we needed, how much we knew we were going to be able to pay back immediately before any interest hit. And we got the loan money, put the album together. We took our first two festival dates. We didn't take any money from those dates. We didn't take any money personally from the loan. It all went into the album. We took those first dates and we paid it all back. So everything after that was all money in and, it worked out beautifully for us. That's something that's a for us. It was like if you get a money from a label, right? You're probably the interest rate on that is probably like 85, 90%. Plus, they get to keep your IP. Yeah. They own it. Yeah. <laughs> and if and if you get the option to buy it back, they're gonna charge you 10, 15 times more than what they gave you for that IP. So for us. We weren't definitely weren't going that route. It just made sense. We got the loan. We were able to pay the principal right back. We own our album fully. This is the first album. Now, I mean, now we own others, but this was the first album we actually owned outright. No ifs, ands, buts about it. And it felt good. So whether we made $20,000 or $20, it was ours. Yeah. And it felt good to say that. So the loan way that's just another option i wouldn't recommend that for people just starting though that's that's that wouldn't be the smart way to go because you have no idea what your return of investment is going to be which means now you got another bill you're saddled with um but for us it was it was the best decision we probably made in a long time up until the that point. industry is crazy dude the business stuff behind the scenes They're like i'm just sitting there listening to the album i don't think about any of this stuff it's like but I mean, like football contracts and all the the going back and forth. Like I feel like the general public gets a, a peek into that often because we're like so consumed with, you know, even in the off season, what do the deals look like? What it, it's just crazy to me, dude. It's like the music industry, and it's not the same thing. But I'm I'm going to compare it to this anyway. The music industry is like going to college to play football, right? Yeah. Before NIL deals, yeah. right? You get taken advantage of tremendously yeah. there's a small percentage of artists that actually make it to a point 
to where they're making a very good living. A lot of these guys are lying to you. They're not living as good as they say they are. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a very small percentage, and people uses those exceptions to try to see. See, it works for like that. Don't work that way for everybody. Right. But with the independent game and the internet did was like what the NILs are doing for college football. It opens it up. It's the Wild West, but it evens the playing field a little bit. So now you don't have to deal with a label. You don't have to deal with a third party. You don't have to deal with that. You can go direct to consumer. And um, it's just, it's all about now in the music industry is all about deciding who you want to be. Like, do you want to be a superstar? Is that your goal? Or or do you just want to be a working musician making money off of doing something you love? And once you decide which route you want to take, then you know what you want to be. Then you know what route you want to, you, you can take. And, um, you know, it's, it's crazy out here. Well, how do, so Pooh, like say somebody, do you ever know people without naming names that like, they're like, okay, I'm not saying that it's a selling your soul or stay true to yourself conversation, but like, let's say I'm going to let the big wigs tell me how to rap, what to rap about, like, you know, like that sort of thing. Like, do you, you see a lot of people who, when they make that decision, they have to make it a hundred percent and then they have like huge regrets and they're too far in like to absolutely to about it. Like they realize, Oh fuck. I, I absolutely. It you know, I had something here and now I'm, my brand is shit. You know, <laughs> I'm making money, but this sucks. Yeah. You, you, you have to play a role and yeah. Um, you know, because the, the thing about playing a role, right? The thing about doing what you just described is, I mean, we're all replaceable at the end of the day, but you make yourself so dispensable when you do that, because you, soon, yeah, as soon as the label or the industry or whoever is done with you, you're done. Because yeah. when you try to, you can't. It's hard to go back to who. If you've been playing this role for so long, it's hard to be your authentic self at that point because nobody's going to believe you. The great Chad Butler, a.k.a. Pimp C, said, mm-hmm. the way they first hear you, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. He yeah. didn't He didn't say these words, but the way they first, the way they first hear you, the way you introduce yourself to people is how they will always look at you. You can't go backwards. So you might as well be yourself. Yeah. Once again, I'm paraphrasing. He said it way more eloquently, way more cool. That's the whole thing about branding. It's like with athletes and branding, I've always said this. Like, I believe in a I believe in branding to a degree. People are always like, How do you brand yourself as an athlete? Blah, 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 blah. Well, I think I think the easiest brand is yourself because then you're never gonna have to be like, wait, what was I supposed to be? Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And 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 that's the way I I've tried to approach this media thing, you know, like I think there's a parallel with the media because you could certainly take the fast cash, go work for somebody, put on a, a suit, get told what to talk about, this, that, and third, and the fast money is going to come quickly. But then when you hit that ceiling for some guys, I bet they're looking around like, damn, I can't even say what I want. And like, I don't have any upward mobility. And now I can't go back and be like myself, you know? So, you know, like uh, I, I can tell you that although I've never been in the music industry, obviously, there's definitely like elements of that. It feels like in the media and certainly um, 
with the being taken advantage of in college football. But like the branding thing, the media is like, you're going to be who you're going to be eventually, whether you like it or not, because uh, you can't run on somebody else's brand. You just can't. I'm I'm all about being comfortable. Like that's my whole vibe. From the way way I dress to the way, to the things I do, to how I interact with people. I'm I'm just all about comfortability. And, and, you know, I, I always had a rule for myself, a general rule. This is why I tell all the young people I work with. The day I wake up, go to the bathroom, look in the mirror, and I hate who I see is the day something big has to change. Something has to change. Something has to change. Yeah. And I love myself. I've been loving myself every morning. So I'm, I am I believe That's I'm doing a good job. Be, bro. That's the best way to be. Yo, uh, the song on the listening... I had to ask this guy. I was listening the other day. That last verse where you guys are just saying whatever. Uh-huh. Can you tell me about the writing process with that? Man, I'm, okay, let me try to think. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's what you know the last verse on that song where I'm like, yeah, I can't we just saying, yeah, we just saying random shit. Yeah, I was just um, basing it, and I was like, man, I wonder how that was written. Like, yo, we literally sat down and said, okay, we just got to say some outlandish shit, and it's almost. This is, yeah, this this is no disrespect to who I'm about to mention at all because I think he's one of the fucking greats. But we said, yo, let's write some shit that Ghostface would would, would say. Because I, I mean, we we didn't know what the fuck Ghostface was talking about half the time. Like, I didn't know what Cam when I used to listen to Cam, I was like, or him. <laughs> like what? I'm a, big, I'm a big ghost fan. Like, and yeah, you do. Sometimes you're like, there's so much kind of the the thought process. The the he switches gears so much that you're like, right. <laughs> and so we were just like, yo, let's just let's just see how outlandish we can get. And I'm I, let me tell you, when I tell you, people don't believe me when I say this, but trying to write like that or write simple for lack of a better term, is the hardest shit in the world for me to do. It's like yeah. I have to reprogram my brain to yeah. not think logically Yeah, to do that. And then yeah. even when I do it and then go to recite it, my brain is like, dude, you know this is off, right? <laughs> like, you know this yeah. isn't right. <laughs> Who did y'all social blow up when Doja Cat started uh, rewatching and listening to the album? I noticed that the other day. It oh, did. About internet, that. internet went crazy. And yeah. I don't know Doja Cat is, but I listen to Little Brother, so I was like, uh, "Oh, maybe Little Brother." Like I, I don't know anything about Doja Cat. Um, that's my listen. Hey, listen, Doja Cat is one of the biggest pop stars in the world right now. Um, she got, she got famous. I mean, and she was doing real music before this, but she got famous, or I'll say she went viral. I don't want to say got famous, but she went viral on the internet for doing a joke song called "Mood." Like it was like, "Bitch, I'm a cow." Bitch, I'm gonna like something like that, but um, yeah, it, it was. I mean, I, I woke up, I, I was up late writing, and so I woke up late like I normally do, and I see a tweet. It was like, Yo, this is giving me life. Doja Cat is listening to Fonte and rapper Big Pooh, and I was like, What word? So I went on her live and I caught the very end and I recorded it, and so uh, Fonte ended up seeing it and was like, Wait, what. So somebody ended up sending him the whole, they recorded the whole time because she was listening to Little Brother, Slum Village. Like she was, she was going in. 
And so when Tay sent the clip to me, I was like, oh, shit, like she really knows <laughs> these songs. Like it wasn't just I'm just randomly listening. On, like discover or shuffle like she was. Yeah, no, she was really like she she ran the song back. Like, listen, yeah. he did a whole verse and it didn't rhyme. Like, you know how fucking crazy that is. And so yeah. it was it was like and then she played loving it after playing whatever uh, the yo-yo. No, not yo-yo. Uh, whatever you say. And so. It was like, yo, this is this is crazy, you know, to see that one of the biggest pop stars in the world not only is playing our music, but knows the music. That's cool. and and so we started, you know, we put the video up and you know, she responded to Fonte um because of the joke he said in his tweet. And um she responded because people was like, Oh, I can't believe he said that. And she was like, I don't give a shit. Like like him and that group is like one of the reasons why I wanted to rap in the first place. Um, he a fucking legend. Like I'm just yeah, happy he yeah. he tweeted me, and they went they tweeted each other a couple times, and then all of a sudden I see a text from Fonte and he was texting Doja Cat. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he was like, yeah, my man. He he put us in touch with each other. We, we're texting each other, and so it was it was just cool. I mean, That's for us, cool. yeah, for us it's just. I mean, uh, the thing we, we've known for a long time is, like, while we weren't superstars, you know, to the people in the industry, like, we're well-respected. And and um, and it's a lot of people who people are fans of today that grew up listening to Little Brother because the one thing we did, I mean, we made great music, but the one thing we did and we always prided ourselves on was being ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, who you hear in music is who you meet in person. Right. There's no difference. Easy to keep up with the brand that way. So easy. Like you from the way mean? we dressed, like we did shows in white and black t-shirts. Okay. In sweatpants or jeans. And I remember our manager, Doe, now my business partner, he used to be mad. Like, man, y'all need to. You know, dress a little better when you go on stage, and I'm like, shit, I'm about to go out here and sweat this shit off. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not putting on no good stuff to go sweat it out. Like, I throw these t-shirts away, buddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't make it back to the hotel. When I so, have to actually go out to dinner or something, it takes me an hour to get dressed because I don't have the clothes. Like, I have, like I don't me. have. Like, my wife has to dress me, dude. Like, I wear sweatpants and sound like me. a t-shirt every day of my life. Like, and if God forbid I got to go on TV and do something like it's sweatpants on the bottom and a collar shirt up top. <laughs> so I'm totally with you. If I was a rapper, I would dress just how y'all dress. Totally. Dude, every time we have to, like, I had to go to a wedding over the summer. I have to, I had to go buy a suit. Okay. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't keep suits. I'll buy it and I'll have it for like a year, a year and a half. And then either I'll lose weight, gain weight. Or I'll just I'll just not know. I'll never put it in the cleaners. I don't know what the hell happened to it, and I'll have to go buy another suit. Like every it's, three it's years. Dress socks for me, dude. I don't have dress socks, belts, ties. I got these suits from when I played because we had to wear suits on the road, you know. So like I spent way too much money on suits. <laughs> I, I don't think I've worn a suit voluntarily since I got out of league. So yeah. and I've only worn jeans one time since March seventh or oh, March 9th. Congratulations, man. You might suck record. That's so <laughs> That's awesome. 
<laughs> Chris, when we talked to you last year, the uh, Greenlight Pod was doing well. I know you guys are still killing it. With yeah. Blue Wire now, you I know you were uh, doing it off on your own. What kind of led you in that direction? I'm curious. Well, kind of like the happy medium between what we were talking about just a second ago. It was like, listen, I I decided when I came out of the league, like, that I wanted to be on the indie end of the spectrum. Like, I don't want to be told what to do. Like, I make no bones about it. I like doing what I like to do. And, you know, there's there's always a number that I might take orders for. Like, I don't deal in absolutes, but generally – yeah, generally I like to do what I like to do. Um, and if I was ever going to find somebody that would help amplify, because one of the hard things about being indie in the podcasting business is you don't have some great big platform to give you that like that listenership boom like right away. Like some of my friends would go work for whatever platform, and all of a sudden they have a hundred thousand people listening their podcast, and they haven't really grinded at it, and that's fine. But we really had to earn our audience, and. Um, I kind of like that because it's self-selective. Like there's nobody that's listening to my podcast saying, I don't, I don't like the way they're doing things. Like, then why are you here? You know, like I, I'm not asking for a million people to listen to my podcast. And so um, signing with somebody like Blue Wire was like kind of the perfect marriage because Blue Wire is not a, they haven't told me one thing to do with my show. You know, they've supported me with tech. Kevin Jones and those, and those guys have been awesome. Like, win bet is great like the win has kind of been the engine there so i love to gamble i love to talk about gambling um and blue wire as as the platform has not really meddled with me so we've we've seen the support factor but without somebody hovering over my shoulder and it's been pretty cool like we've got good guests now like on the regular and and i feel like i'm in a decent groove where you you, you just kind of learn i don't know if it's like this with with rapping or like whatever you're trying to learn like but in the beginning you might bust your ass and try as hard as you possibly can to make good content or to to hone your craft but experience is the only teacher just like with football so i might be willing to go to the wall and improve like month one month two month three i might i was working more the first six months than i am now because i was working dumb you know like you learn how to work smarter. You learn how to get more out of your, you know, your schedule. You learn how to be more efficient. You learn how to actually podcast better. The only way to do that is to fail and have experience. And I've got a couple of years of it now and I've done it on my own. So that enhances the, the stakes. But I also, I think I learn faster because I have to wear a lot of hats um, as a producer, as, you know, the, the guest booker, as the content creator, as, you know, the guy who's keeping an eye on the business side. And I got an awesome staff, but, I know that at the end of the day, it starts with me. So that's been a real learning experience. Nice. Well, there's a game on Sunday. Is uh, is Jalen Hurts the dude? Is he the future of the Eagles at quarterback, do you think? Um, I don't want to say it so bluntly, but, you know, like if I'm the Eagles, like you're staring down the barrel of a year where you have a huge quarterback carousel. I mean, like veteran quarterback carousel. Forget about the draft, which is down. Um, but, like, Jalen has to play well down the stretch here. I've been really excited about the kid, but the reality is that, like, he didn't get drafted in the top five or ten. You know, he got drafted, um, you know, towards the end of that first day. Um, and, you know, your leash is just not going to be as long as a quarterback, especially when his play has been kind of up and down. I love the kid. I think he's got all the leadership intangibles. Um, I think he's got a great head on his shoulders. I think he can make a lot of throws. I just think Philly – 
if you're Philly is like, do I really have time? If I'm Howie Roseman, do I have time to trust that this kid's going to be developed by somewhat of an unknown in this staff? And with the context of, I, you know, people are on my ass about Michael Parsons now, <laughs> you know, like every team's like, well, we should have had Michael Parsons. People are on my ass about more leg- legitimately Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, DK Metcalf, JJ Ortega Whiteside. Like these were so Howie's feeling the heat. And if I'm the Eagles, I don't think so. Like, you know, not because it necessarily reflects Jalen Hurts. I've been hoping that Jalen finds his way down to New Orleans. That's my thing. If Jalen Hurts and Sean Payton got together, I'd be pretty excited to watch him play. Oh, yeah. But he's got to have a really good finish to the season. I mean, to be the guy, and that's just the reality. There's nothing against the kid. He's just got to. You got to show up, and he seems like the type of kid who's not afraid of a fight. So, we'll see down the stretch here. Now, you told me before we got started, though, that you got you put your money on Washington this weekend. Yeah, I. <laughs> you gonna lose your money, Chris? I was. I was like, <laughs> what? What is the line in that game? By the way. I don't shit. That's something I looked at was like four and a half, I think. But the fact I don't even know if they're gonna play this game is like I think Washington's up to 17, 17, 17 players on the COVID on list. On the COVID now. list. No, like, I, I got I, I didn't know what the number was. And actually, I'm seeing that it's seven now. Uh I thought well, the, they actually took it off the board though, right? I thought it would be four and a half or something, and I would I would bet the Washington to cover. Um, but I think the Eagles might cover now it just sounds like it's crazy and honestly i think i think everybody in philly knows the magnitude of this game um you know and playing in philly the atmosphere in december is makes your hair stand on end a little bit so uh i think i think those guys will be ready i think jalen will be ready and if he's not again like i don't think Minshew's the guy either but no. you're trying to go to the playoffs so if if my man starts slow or if they're having a hard time, like, you know, it might be one of those things where they're they're looking to the sideline a little bit because the last time you went to New York in a division game, three picks, you know, it's not a – he doesn't have time to develop. They got to they gotta make the playoffs. I really do believe that, especially they have an opportunity. Washington's in that seven spot right now. Minnesota doesn't know who they want to be. So I think Philly has a shot. Washington has one – regular rotation or starter on the defensive line this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be ugly. Everybody else is practice squad players. And the backup quarterback's got COVID now, too. Kyle Allen, they said. The backup quarterback has COVID. The starting corner has COVID. Uh, Kendall Fuller. This is the body bag game before the game even <laughs> was played. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, listen, the COVID stuff makes it tough. Uh, I think if these two teams are at full strength, um, I'd probably set the line at, like, three and a half up in Philly. And I think it's probably a field goal game. But who the hell knows what happens, dude? I, I was just saying this earlier um, on somebody's show that last year I bet on uh, – I bet on the Broncos on a Wednesday. They were going to play the Saints, and you remember what happened in that game. It was the Kendall Hinton, uh, Taysom Hill. Oh yeah. Uh, we don't as a league. We're not. We don't feel sorry for you. We don't feel sorry for gamblers. Nothing like. So I don't feel sorry for any teams that've got to go through this now. This is part of the deal. It's another element to the sport these couple of years, and until they figure it out, eh, it's going to be a lot of weekends like this in December. 
who we left Virginia and they got all the good stuff now. I mean, they got the gambling up there on your phone. Yeah. Reefer's lethal re, uh, soon. You know I mean? Yep. Have all is, Reefer, it, it news to me that it hasn't been legal, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is a good thing that, 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 that we're moving in the right direction there. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's going, it's going to take us a while down here in the Bible belt. Uh, it's amazing how quickly you get down into the Bible belt there. Oh yeah, yes. It's it's almost like, you know, not when you pass Richmond. Let's say when you pass Petersburg, it's like Bible Belt. Yeah. Pass <laughs> Petersburg, where you start, where it's like uh, peanut farms and 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 that type of thing. When you start getting down yep. into the, uh, a lot of, uh, and lots of uh, sermons and gospel on the radio. If you just cruising read, through the radio channels, like that, yeah, like it's totally. There's a line in Virginia. We used to always yes, argue about this is Virginia the South. I'd say about half of it is. Half of it is definitely the South. When we lived in Athens, Georgia, they assured us that Virginia was not the South. Oh, come on. That, there's drive. Oh, down in Georgia, they did not consider Virginia the South at all. That's amazing. Well, um, I just do want to say this. You said Bible Belt. Didn't Jesus heal using uh, cannabis? <laughs> I think sure it was one. from the earth. <laughs> I think it was wine. <laughs> Is there water in the wine? Yeah, he, he, hey, look, Jesus, Jesus drank. Okay, he drank, which he drank. Um, you know. Uh, so I, I think eventually here, I don't know what we're dragging our feet on. We should be taxing it and 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 making money and creating jobs and be a whole other industry. So yeah, I just I like weed, gambling, just. It should just be let me have it. Way. Let me have my vices, man. Like you know, yeah. everybody's got their vices. We've had ABC stores around for yeah. Like you give me alcohol, I can go buy cigarettes. I can go buy yeah. cigars. I, just I let me gamble and smoke weed. Yeah, like, it's just the fuck, dude. Smoking, yeah. smoking glass. Talk about going back <laughs> in the wayback machine. They had a menthol square in two decades. Oh, I had a single. I had a single square Saturday night. Listen, I, I I took one pull of a cigarette when I was a teenager, and that was like the worst shit ever. You had the spins, like, you just laid on the ground. Like I remember I just, my first cigarette. I, want, I just I wanted to throw up. Throw up. No, listen to my cousin who said, "Hey, if you smoke a cigarette after you smoke some weed, it'll boost your high." That's ridiculous. But you're right. That was a lot. Terrible and speed your heart up. Uh, do you remember what 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 kind of sig you had the first time? I mean, I'm black, so it was probably a Newport. Hey, listen, <laughs> I have consumed many a Newport. I'm a defensive lineman. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm, sure it was a I'm, Newport. Yeah. But uh, Marlboro Red was my first one in uh, third, and that was rough. I was like, uh, I think I'm. I, I think these things are serious shit. That's crazy. I, you know, the, I don't even smoke now. Like, I'm an edible guy. Like, I don't even, I have a fear of damaging my lungs and in, in my throat. And because I rap, I kind of need those things. So, I'm Ooh, Let me guy. ask you this, though, because you kind of use it more like a, your throat, like you. <laughs> Pulse. <laughs> so, so no, no Nancy use... Reagan. No Nancy Hello. Reagan. So, you kind of use. You kind of use your voice aggressively, like you have to like end with endurance. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm sure when you get a horse like voice on the road, it's like, oh fuck, dude. Especially like rock stars and stuff. But as a podcaster, the more raw cones I smoke, the better I like my podcasting voice. 
you know roughness i like my voice after it takes me about three shows if they're consecutive for my voice i call it the break my voice in my voice changes it goes down the octave (laughs) like i I go through like a day of being like hoarse yeah and then it kind of settles in to where it's Mm going to be for the rest of the tour Mm -hmm. that's the voice i like like I know exactly. It's, it's, it, it's like an octave down, and it's like okay, no matter how high or how low I get, it's not going to change a thing. So, well, that's my and the nice that's thing my... with the cone is you can kind of adjust, right? The only problem with the edible is if you got like, particularly if you're not like getting from a dispensary, and you know exactly oh, what you know. Right. Sometimes I like. Sometimes I want to get off. You know what I mean? There's, I love the ride. I, I, I all my friends because you know like. um I've had the audacity to talk about marijuana. I'm the only NFL player that ever smoked, I guess. So my friends are like, hey, I got this. I made these edibles. My wife made these edibles. Like, can I drop them off? Or like, would you? I'm like, no, dude. Like, I do not want your unmarked van edibles, dude. Like, I don't want to. I want to know exactly what's in my edibles. I need to know how many milligrams are we taking? 50 milligrams? Are we taking 100 milligrams? Are we taking 200 milligrams? Because there's different wings of the hospital for the different panic attacks I would have at 200 and 300 milligrams. I have no idea to this day how many milligrams I'm good at. Um, You just wing it. I wing it. I I mean, I only spins the wheel. Only take edibles from two trusted or three trusted sources. So because I know them and I know what their tolerance level is and mine right. is nowhere near theirs, I know to reduce what they tell me. So if, if they say, oh, here's a brownie, eat half the brownie. Eat I know to brownie. eat a quarter of the brownie. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, uh-huh. that's the word the for today is reduce. Reduce. Like I, I know that. So I'll just kind of, I'll eat a quarter and I'll see the first night. Okay. Ah, that wasn't high enough. I get, I can pinch off a little bit more than a quarter. Yeah, I get so mad. And the last thing I want to do is like not be high enough, and then at 10 p.m. I have to take more, and then wake up because all of a sudden at 2 a.m. I, I like roll roll out like to bed to take a piss. I'm like, oh god, I'm stoned. Like way oh, too yeah. stoned in my sleep. That's how oh, I yeah. don't want to be. I want to, I want it to like be coming down as I'm falling asleep. I don't want to wake up with the oh shit, like you're super high, man. No, I, I like mine going up when I'm about to go to sleep. I want to be, be going up the elevator when yeah. I go to sleep. Like, yeah, that's why I have my pen. That's why it's like a whole routine. I got the pen. I got the cones for the porch. You move around. I got the CBD tincture. You, you got to take the CBD with the you to get the most out of your edibles. You got to take the CBD. You got to take really, the, yeah, dude. So get you some CBD tincture and take it right as you pop your edibles. It's going to make them more predictable and come on quicker and. Oh, that's what, yeah, that's what I need. I I have learned one valuable lesson. Yeah. Um, unlike some of my traveling compadres, I will never take an edible before I get on a flight again. The I used worst to be that way. Ever. What happened? What happened? We was coming back from Miami, uh, Art Basel, and I had this edible, and, and I was warned it's strong. So I said, okay, I'm just going to nibble. I just need enough to go to sleep on the flight because I really don't like flying. I hate flying. I hate flying too. I said, so I'm going to go to sleep before we even take off. That didn't happen. So we're in the air. We're in first class. And it's one of them. It's the first class where it's like the big gap in between the first class and the seat right behind it. And so I'm sitting in the last seat in first class. 
the stewardess bumped my seat trying to serve the person behind me. I thought the plane was going down. I thought the whole plane was going down. Like, I I, I popped up, and I'm looking at everybody. I'm like, don't nobody else feel this shit? Like, we're going down. And the plane was as steady as it could be. (laughs) Please sit down in your seat, sir. How quick did that subside for you? Was that an unpleasant experience for a little bit? It was very unpleasant because I flew back into Raleigh. Like, I didn't fly back into Charlotte. So I had to drive two and a half hours home after that. It felt like it took me six hours to get home. (laughs) I told you about what happened to me the other night at the gas station. I I forgot my wallet. It was the marijuana's fault. But then um, I found myself needing to buy a tin of Kodiak. Uh, and I'm sitting at the the 7-Eleven there, and uh, I had to call over some millennial because I was too stoned to figure out my Apple Pay. So, <laughs> so the edible had me totally useless. I couldn't pay my bill at 7-Eleven, and I actually had to outsource help. So, yeah, the lesson there is, like, make sure you're in a in, in a setting where you don't have to actually accomplish anything. In the safe space. <laughs> Reduce. So I, safe space. I tend to do my edibles at home. At only. home. <laughs> yeah. At home. I wish I could say the same. I wish I could say the I same. I mean, I, I don't, but I try. <laughs> <laughs> Big Doug, you like the edibles, man? I I I prefer the cone. Yeah. We're, well, we're, we, we're you and I need to share a cone one time here. We need I to love that. Absolutely. Get down and, and I'm going to come down your way, and now that I know where you are, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll get a cone, bro. We'll get maybe five or six cones. As many cones as you like. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Fellas, it's been an hour. I didn't even realize it'd been an hour. So oh, I'm chilling, bro. I got nothing. But and, and I'm 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 coming up to Charlottesville, Chris. I just gotta I, yeah. it's, it's it's a boring ride, so I gotta get my mind right. Like 64 is the Come worst. Come hang out is the worst highway ever. It's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> if you can overcome that, come hang out. The studio is always fun. We can uh we can do some content and, and whatnot, but you guys are always welcome, man. Yeah, no, nah, I'm 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 gonna make it happen, man. I'm I'm breaking out of my COVID shell. So Denver was my Denver was my first real trip since COVID started. And I was like, if if I can get on the plane, yeah, if I can get on the plane, I can do whatever at this point. (laughs) So I still be masked up though. It's still be masked up. It's crazy out here. But now I'm coming. I'm coming to Charlottesville. I haven't been to Charlottesville since I think it was 2002. I came to a Virginia UVA spring. They had the spring fest, spring fling, whatever it's called. Oh, um, I know what you're talking about. We yeah. used to hit that up. I probably I missed you by two years, man. Like, yeah, we used to be. Yeah, and then there, was a, there was like a whole uh, a ball in Richmond that we used to go to. Like, uh, there was there were some good parties up here. People would come from far and wide. But yeah, come on up, man. It's even better as an adult because there's grown up shit to do. I believe it. I believe it. All right, fellas. Well, I appreciate y'all hanging out today. Was, yes, uh, I, don't know, I don't know. We discussed any football, but I had I had hella fun doing it. <laughs> hey, this hey, we 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 got football in there a little bit. We got a taste. I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you three winners before I leave, and they're, they're all not. They're they're all going to lose now. Uh, but uh, give me give me the Colts this weekend. Um. Give me the ooh, give me the Seahawks to cover down there in LA. It's a, the okay. Rams gonna be riding too high. And then the Packers to blow the doors off of uh of Baltimore. That that line stinks. Five points. 
Come really? on, guys. Yeah, five points. With Very no good. Lamar. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. That line stinks, but I'll, I'll take the Packers anyways. They, I, I think I think the only one you're gonna miss on is that Colts one. I, I just I don't I don't see the I don't see the Colts doing it. A lot it. of people don't see it, and maybe I'm wrong, but as long as I go two and one, I won't get booed off the stage here. So happy <laughs> So there you go. Three three feet freebies on the way out. Enjoy. Yeah, there you go, man. Good to see y'all. All right. Likewise. Thanks, Have a good one. All right. Take it easy. All right. Hey, Pooh, what's your uh what's your cell? Do I have your cell? Uh I'll DM it to you. Doug. Yeah, just uh Okay. I'll yeah, DM it to yeah. Here, yeah, take mine and y'all shoot me a text. And if you hold on, this uh, thing, hold on, this thing's still recording. Yeah, I'm about to say let, let, let's get off the record for yeah, you do hold that. On, yeah, it's uh you have you have random fans. What's going on, Chris? <laughs> I don't pick up the phone anyway.